Welcome to the Creative Finance Playbook, where we'll show you how to buy property without banks or credit using creative finance strategies. Join your hosts, Jen and Joe Delafave, as we embark on a thrilling journey to financial freedom through real estate. With our expert advice and insider tips, you'll learn how to build wealth and achieve your dreams. So tune in and get ready to take control of your financial future. Everybody. Thank you for joining in another Tuesday Live. Uh, I am your host, Joe, and this is my hostess, Jen. And host. we are coming live right now talking about how to build a million dollar portfolio, real estate portfolio, in 12 months or less without using banks and without using credit. Guys, this is one of our specialties because this is something we've done. We're going to continue to do more of. And so we're going to share with you the tips and tricks that we've been using in order to make that happen. Um, and I will say you learn a lot along the way. So we have definitely found some of the processes that we like best. And just because we like it best doesn't mean that you're going to have to like it best. We're just sharing with you what we do. Okay. But if you want to mimic it, it works great. And we've learned this from a lot of other super successful people who do the same exact thing. So what we're doing is we didn't reinvent the wheel. We didn't come up with something new, but what we're going to share with you is a strategy that a lot of successful real estate investors have been using. And this is one of our favorite strategies here. So um, obviously we do creative financing. These are our favorite deals. Um, one of the deals, if you go to my Facebook page, I just posted it yesterday. We just made the deal yesterday with the seller. Uh, the gentleman has a house in Davenport, Florida. It's about 20 minutes north of Disney. Go to Joe Delafave on Facebook if you want to see it. It's just posted a couple of pictures on it. This is one we're going to keep as a one of our properties. But the situation was the seller reached out to me recently and said, Joe, I want to sell the house. I've already moved out of state. I'm living in Northern California. I had it on the market. We had it under contract. The buyer backs out. I've already bought my next property. I can't afford these two payments. And when I went to relist it, it just wasn't selling. I deactivated the listing and now I want to sell my house. So we talked about, he says, you know, if I could get $10,000, I'm okay with you guys buying my property subject to. You buy it with a wrap, but he's okay with us taking over his existing mortgage balance. So the seller owes approximately $292 on that deal. And if he could walk away with a check for $10,000 clear, we pay the closing costs. Lo and behold, when he did send the mortgage payment, he was two months behind. So we'll have to get that current. Only two months, not terrible. He was expecting to have the house sold. When the seller backed out, kind of caught him by surprise, right? Um, so we're going to get up those two payments. And guys, this is a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood. It's built in 2005. It's a four-bedroom, three-full bathroom. 2,000 square foot house with a pool. It's got the lanai cover around it. It's a really, really nice house. It is turnkey, 20 minutes from Disney. They do allow short-term rentals there. So if somebody wanted to buy this property and turn it into an Airbnb, this place is allowed. 
So these are one of our favorite deals because honestly, we all love that fixer upper in that deal. We get a really good discount on, but honestly, I prefer these hot houses because this is something where once we come to closing with the $10,000, $4,000 in back payments, $4,000 in closing costs, I have 18 grand on the pocket. I'm gonna make the next month payment. So there's 20,000 plus my insurance policy, right? So we're gonna be in the low 20s. So now how do we build a million dollar portfolio? And it's all about how to structure the business the way we have it set up. I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but this is the way we love to do it, okay? So on that deal, for an example, I could now put a renter in that house. Property payments about 2,200 a month. It's gonna rent for 25, 2,600. The numbers are tight. The ARV on the house is worth in the mid to high threes. So we got a heck of a discount on it. So for a lot of investors, the numbers are so darn tight. They can't make that deal work once they start worrying about vacancies and maintenance. How are you going to cash flow on three, $400 a month once you start taking out all of your expenses? And they always say, if the deal doesn't cash flow, you really don't want to make it, right? So how do we avoid these things? How do I avoid having to come up with $20,000 into a property that doesn't cash flow? So how can we make deals where other folks can't? And this is the strategy, and this is what's really helpful for us. So what we do when we lock up a deal like this, I'm going to either, A, you could turn it into an Airbnb if you wanted to. We already know that you can, but that's not what we do. We do, we sell it with a lease purchase. We sell it rent to own. So what we do is we buy it on terms. Instead of putting in a renter, we sell it lease to own. Why is that? Because that property is worth somewhere in the threes, like we just said, upper threes, mid threes. We typically collect about 10% down as a non-refundable option deposit. So how much money did I say we had out in that deal? Some of you who are sleeping, we had in the low 20s, right? Now, if I'm collecting 10% down or even close to it on a $350,000 home, so maybe you don't want to have to do too much math, that's 30 to 35 grand. So now I'm into a deal where I'm profitable. Once I pay myself back the $20,000, I'm up ten dollars to $15,000. And sometimes it's more than that, guys. Don't want to say just limit yourself to 10000 because we are 10% because we have many times we've gotten well over 10%. But that's always just the, you know, the target. So therefore, now the thing we love with the extra strategy of rent to own or at least purchase is that we are working not with renters. We are working with tenant buyers. These folks get heavily screened through screenthetenant.com. They pay for the application, not you. It's only 50 bucks each. But what happens is now we're going to have these folks go through the screening process. You get about a 70-page report that gives you the debt to income, make sure they can afford the payments. Everything checks out. That if they come up with that much money, they're going to be able to buy the house. Maybe they need more time in the job. Maybe they need to fix credit. But they're going to be able to qualify. What you don't want to do is put somebody in a $600,000 house and they make 25 grand a year. Chance of them ever making that payment is never going to be good, right? So you want to make sure you do your due diligence. And that's what screenthetenant.com does for you. It takes all the thinking out of it. They give you a report, but the first two paragraphs really give you the meat and potatoes just in case you don't want to read 70 something pages. But lo and behold, what they will tell you is if this is a good fit for you, able to buy this house later on. So the thing to answer question, Wendy, good question, is on the report, they say 
that their credit is unacceptable at this point, that I'd recommend credit repair or they are credit challenged. And with their current income, with their current debt and their current credit, it's going to take 12 to 18 months to get mortgage ready is what they'll tell you. So what I do is when I get back from my report, I go back to the tenant buyer and say, okay, you've got this plan right here for, it says 12 to 18 months. So we could write this up for 18 months and good news is guys, or I could write it up for two years. The good news is for me, and I'm going to do this differently than most, but if you gave me 10%, you gave me 35,000 moving into this property and they're good people and they're paying every month on time and they take good care of the property because these folks want to because they want to own it they got skin in the game right and if they do they're going to take better care of the property than probably how you turn it over to them especially if you wait for the right tenant buyer but number two they're responsible for all of the maintenance all of the repairs and all of the utilities even the darn water bill they pay it all so now that 300 spread is truly yours you don't have management fees in between you don't have vacancy because they just gave you 35,000 reasons not to have to worry about that, right? And probably out of that $35,000 that I got, if I paid myself the $21,000 back, or maybe I borrowed that from my aunt, you know, as a transaction fund where my aunt lends me $20,000 for nine months, six months, three months, whatever it is, right? It's not terribly long. But once again, once I pay my aunt back the 20000 and I put the other 14 in my bank account, 12 in my bank account, I'm going to leave that as my nest egg. My, 3, 000, my 300 that comes in every month, it's going in a kitty, guys. And I'm going to have that money sitting there, and I'm going to have a cash flowing property that I have no credit tied into. I've got no banks involved. Within usually 30, 60, 90 days, sometimes a little longer, depending on where the property is located, we are 100% profitable. And now your cash on cash return is infinite because we have no money tied into the deal. We've got no credit, no banks involved, right? So the deal that we just took over that we're closing on is at a 4.5% interest rate. Gentleman re just refinanced his loan this spring. So literally we have 29 and a half more years left on this mortgage. So we wrote the deal for 30 years. So I've got 30 years to take over these payments. And now what we're going to do is put in a tenant and buyer and to be quite honest with you guys, there's some rentals in the area. There's a lot of competition, but this is the only house that's going to offer rent to own where you can move in now, fix what's broken on your credit, pay rent for a bunch of years until the rates drop, credit gets fixed, and then when you're good enough to qualify, go ahead. But what happens now at the end of the two years that they don't qualify? You know what we do? They're paying you, right? We let them keep paying us. I'll give you the secret. We don't stop them from paying us, right? We don't want to kick somebody out and say your two years is up and you didn't qualify, remove them and go put somebody else in there because you know what's going to happen. Some people start putting their feet in the sand, start taking away people's opportunities. There's a great and there's a wrong way to do it. So we let them know as long as they're paying on time and being good people, we won't ever kick you out. We might have to adjust rent. We might have to adjust the price if you didn't get it by that time. And we do that. But however, we're never going to throw you out of the house, especially if you want to stay there. So hopefully that answers some of the questions. But the thing is the velocity of now how I can do deals, rather you have a little bit of money yourself to play with, or you could borrow money and have what we call transaction money. 
So there are, there's another deal that you guys will see on my Facebook page coming up real soon that we are buying in Lakeland, Florida. So if you don't know where Lakeland is, it's about an hour between Tampa and Orlando. It's like right in the middle. This gentleman reached out to us, bought this house a year ago. He is moving back to the state of Washington to be closer to his family. He says, I bought it for 195000 and I owe one ninety one. And I know that if I sell it in the market right now, by the time they take out real estate commissions and all that, I'm going to lose money and I don't have the time and I don't have the money. He's like, if you buy for one ninety five, I'll let you take over my mortgage at 4%. And I'm totally cool with all of that. So go to the property. I do a walkthrough. Guys, this house was just renovated right before he bought it. The house is brand new. It's a smaller, I think it's a two-bedroom, two-bathroom ranch. Maybe it's a three. I can't remember. I look at so many houses, so forgive me. Um, I haven't walked it, so how's that for you? But either way, it's a smaller, like a 1,200-square-foot ranch and uh, $1,000 down. We cover the closing costs, and we take over a 1,200-something dollar payment, and the house rents for around 1,800. It's turnkey, new everything. The floorboard is out. So new water lines, new furnace, new roof, new windows, new everything. Cute ranch. Be perfect, right? If this was closer to me, I'd have family move in, right? Because it is that really that nice. So these are the situations here with $1,000 down covering closing costs. I'm out of pocket under $10,000 on that deal. So maybe what do you do if you don't have that $10,000? Once again, you can borrow that from somebody, go to closing, give them $1,000, pay $4,000 in closing costs. You're into a deal for $5,000. Make sure you have money for insurance policy. Make sure you have a money for a couple of worth of payments before you find your tenant buyer. But in a situation like that, we are certainly going to find somebody who's going to give us twenty to $30,000 down in that deal. So once we go pay back my Aunt Phyllis or whomever, right? We're not. It's our money. But in that situation, go pay back your aunt. And now once you pay that person back that money for the transaction, you could have that done in 100 days or less. And sometimes if you have a house in a really area. I mean, shoot, well, you could find them really darn quick depending on where it is. And I will promise you, if you find some really nice properties that are just a lot more rural, give yourself more time to find a tenant buyer. So we have what's called a cost of acquisition. And if somebody wants to buy a deal from us, we want to find out what your buy box is. So we have a list of questions that we like to ask our buyer of what you're looking for, right? So a conversation I just had with a seller or with one of our buyers yesterday is that I want to dial in on their buy box. I would not, I want to know their limit for total cost of entry. So what does that mean? The seller needs a down payment, closing costs. Maybe there's some small repairs that need to get done to the property, any behind payments. I always sock in three months worth of payments included in there. So once we give you your total cost of entry, that's, what's really important. Um, so these are one of the things that we're going to really dial into when we're looking at a deal or analyzing it to make sure that the numbers work on the front end. So we're also going to be coming out with a chart that I've developed very soon that's going to help you with a chart that when you're talking with the seller, the seller says, yes, the terms, how do I figure out what to do with this deal? And I'm going to make it so simple. It's going to walk you right through it. The number one question is, does the deal cash flow? So say you talk to a seller and they are in a situation like mine. They have a beautiful house and a beautiful neighborhood and the property doesn't cash flow. 
and the HOA says you can't do short-term rentals, right? So what can you do there? You know, our action strategy there is that we look for somebody who wants to live in the home because if I'm going to be wanting to live in that home, I'm not really interested in cash flow. I'm looking for an opportunity to get into a property with a lease purchase. So sometimes we could find a, a home buyer for that home. But now what happens if the deal does cash flow? Right. So the things that we look at is how much per month does it cash flow? What's the total cost of entry? Which if you guys have not gone to our website yet or our Facebook group, we have our cost of entry worksheet, which get it, it's down there for free. Download the thing. When you're talking with the seller, fill out these questions. It'll give you your total cost of entry. You need to have that if you're looking at these creative deals. But what is the total cost of entry? How much am I cash flowing? Where's the location of the property? Right. Is it a spot I want to keep this deal and then what's the cash on cash return so I had to come up with ten thousand dollars on the property but I'm getting 400 bucks a month in cash flow right so what's the cash on cash return then you're going to have that kind of formula you're going to look at and then you're going to decide do I keep that for myself or do I sign that to another investor based on some of the facts I have here now if it's an area that I want to keep it and it's under a certain amount for my total cost of entry I'm cash flowing X amount, I'm keeping that deal every single time. And that's what we're really looking to do. So how do you grow your million dollar portfolio in 12 months or less? It's never going to be as easy as it is right now. And especially in the next year, I'm having a lot of conversations with sellers who have listed their house four months ago for 800,000. And now they're down to 650 and they're going to do another price drop. And the house isn't selling. And not only is it not selling, they're not even getting views on Zillow. So when it shows like, you know, back in the day, it'd be like 3,000, 4,000 views. Now it's got 126 views. And it's been the market for 100 plus days, right? So we're, I'm seeing more of that. So for some of these folks who are in these situations, this is where this creative finance is super helpful to them. Because a lot of times we are the only ones that can help them when even the real estate agents aren't able to sell their home right now because of these interest rates going up so high. So in the next 12 months, how are we able to help sellers in these situations? We're able to pay a lot more for their properties. In a conversation I just had with the seller, just before I got on this Zoom, he just bought this house. And for medical reasons, he needs to move back closer to family. This house is in Florida. It's a 2,700 square foot house. This thing is absolutely gorgeous. They just bought it for 655. He says, that I owe 570 on it. And he's like, if I could get the difference of what I want and what I owe, I will let you take over my mortgage at 2.9% interest, which is pretty darn low. But however, I don't come up with 10% down on these deals. No need for it, right? So there's a lot of these situations that we come across, but with that high of an entry fee, that could really kill a deal. Because when I look at cash on cash return on that, the numbers just don't make sense. So I will at least say this is where it does make sense. So if you're a little bit flexible on when you receive all of your equity, this could be a good deal because I could pay that range, but maybe I give you a portion of your equity now, but maybe I give it to you more of it down the road. So how can I still negotiate that as a win? Still pay top dollar for their home because they just bought it for $6.55. And I will tell you what, it's not going to sell for that now. They're going to take a loss. And I'm running into more and more of these situations. One gentleman who just bought a condo that's on the beach that I just had to handle two hurricanes after buying this thing five weeks ago 
And he's like, I want this thing sold. I want nothing to do with it anymore. He's like, I know I just paid top dollar for it. And I know I'm going to get my butt kicked on it, but I don't have any other choice. I don't want to do this. So how do I make them feel like a win? Like, I don't have to kick your butt in the deal. Like, I want you to feel good about this too. But in order for that to work for me, I'm going to buy it with seller financing. So if you could wait on when you're going to get your equity and I get you cashed out, I'm going to pay a lot more than anybody else will. And the reason why I have incentive is because I could take over your old interest rates at super low interest rates. You know, anybody who bought a property, it's going to be a lot lower than it is at seven, eight percent. So I'm explaining to sellers the key reason why I could pay more. And the key reason why I want to buy their property is because if I'm able to get a three, four percent interest rate, this is why I want to buy it with seller financing. Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of these houses we're looking at are so darn nice. A low cash offer will never work. Especially these folks, most of them just bought this house and they're all turnkey, beautiful houses. So when I'm finding these deals, I'm explaining to the seller, low cash offers wouldn't work in this situation. I understand. And the reason why I can stretch and pay more than everybody else and pay all the closing costs and fees and close as soon as you're ready to is because if I could buy it with seller financing, I'm able to take it at whatever rate your mortgage was. And it's, they'll tell you, oh, well, it was at 3.75%. I'm like, there's my reason to buy it. Cause at seven or 8%, the numbers don't make sense. But at three and a half percent, the numbers make sense in that deal. And now they're starting to have the aha moments. So the reason it inspired me to have this with you guys is because it's never been easy to find these sub two, these lease purchase deals, however you want to structure them. I prefer buying them, owning them. Now, I know what some of you are going to say. What happens if you buy some price and the market takes a big dive? Prices go down. And they're going to. I know they're going to. But this is why I don't tie myself to a very short term of when I have to get my seller cashed out. So keep this in mind. If I'm going to pay top dollar for their house, and I might have to stretch sometimes, and by stretching, I'm still getting a good deal. I'm not paying $500,000 for a $400,000 home. I'm not doing anything crazy like that. But what I do say is if I buy a house for $300,000 and I feel like the value is probably 350 to 375, but I feel like it might drop to 300. It might even drop to high twos. I don't know. But what I do know is that if I've got 30 years to get cashed out, I don't care. Right? I'm not worried about the market dropping because I have to get my seller because I promised to get them cashed out of their loan in two years or three years or five years. So all of the terms, all of the deals that we're going to keep are generally going to be 10 years plus. So I'm going to recommend this for you. So when you're talking with a seller and they say, I agree to terms, whether it's seller financing or whether you're buying their house sub two, but they say, okay, Joe, when are you going to get me cashed out? You definitely want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success and going to be able to deliver to these folks what you promise. So you want to give yourself a big enough cushion to make sure that you're able to fulfill your end of the agreement and don't put yourself in a corner by saying, I'll get it cashed out in two years or five years, even five years is tough. Especially if things happen like coronavirus, who could have expected this to happen two years ago, right? World's shutting down for three weeks, the whole pull back the curve, whatever they're calling that stuff, right? Didn't seem like that long ago, but here it was. So the world shut down. We didn't expect that to happen. So when unexpected things come up, which they do in our lives, you want to build yourself in a cushion. So if I'm going to give you the best suggestions is make sure if you're going to do it sub two or wrap mortgage or lease purchase, however you're going to buy these, and we'll do different whole subject on the differences, but um, 
make yourself you're sure you're doing it with as least money down as you can to get your cost of entry down as low as we can make sure your terms are good as far as the length of the term when you're going to get cashed out so i know we've got a lot of questions which we will certainly get to so i love the fact i see my message thing come bang banging off because i'm sure there's a lot of good stuff in there so we're going to get to that in a minute so if you've got any more please drop them but to wrap this part of it up you buy houses on terms and you sell them on terms okay now you're going to buy the property with like a subject to or a wrap mortgage where you're actually taking deed but i buy and sell differently i don't do them the same the reason why I choose to do a lease purchase on the action strategy is because I like to retain ownership of the property. I love to retain the deed to the property so I can write off depreciation, things like that. But more importantly, what happens if the tenant ever stops paying you? Because believe it or not, guys, it happens. Right, Jen? Okay. So if it does, and somebody just gave you $20,000 down, it's much easier you're right Adam. much easier to evict somebody than it is to foreclose on them flip side of that coin what happens because this just happened to us this year kind of gave us a whole bunch of money to move into one of our properties and said hey jen hey joe my job just moved me was it arizona yes yeah he was like you could have the house back it's yours now i'd have to do a quick claim deed and deed the house back to me if i already had it sold to him under seller financing or now when it's a rent to own what do i do guys it's just like if your tenant left right we were nice enough because he knows he doesn't get his money back but we said hey you keep the place in nice shape we love you you were super awesome we'll give you a thousand dollars back of your money to just help with the expenses he was like you guys are awesome thank you so much left the place great didn't do anything besides maybe like clean the carpet a little cleaning in the place and then put in another tenant buyer who gave us twenty thousand dollars to move in same property so once again, um, this is the business that we love. And this is the formula now that if you do have to come up with money for closing, how to get that money back quickly and how to keep that cycle going to be able to buy multiple properties. Because here's the trick of my whole topic today, guys. Million dollar portfolio, what does that mean? Well, if you're buying houses in the middle of Pennsylvania or places in the country where houses are you know, 80 grand, that could be 10, 12, 15 deals you need. Or you could buy a house, you could buy it in some cities where a million dollar portfolio is one deal. They're out there, right? So the million dollars is just a target. But what does that mean? The long story short is we love to stick with our, our bread and butter are your typical average homes, not the super high-end stuff, because I feel like those will take a dive right now. But your good starter homes, your middle-of-the-road homes, those are the ones that we have the very best luck at. So if I could give you a target of properties that we love. Those are them. So if you have one that you're working on and you want to team up with us and send it to us, send them our way. I'll look at them. But those are our bread and butter. Now, depending on where your area, find out what your average median household is price. Some cities that might be 80 grand. Some cities that might be 150 or you could be in Tampa like us. It's probably like half a million for a starter home. Condos down here are like 300 grand. And that's like a teeny little condo. Um, that's not even like beachfront. So, but it, look up what your average are in your area. And that's where you're going to really, I think, have your, some of your best luck. 
Um, all right, questions. You want to start firing off a couple of questions we have? Oh, yeah. There's some good ones today. I mean, we always do, but <laughs> all right. Did, I don't, did you answer Wendy's question? How much time do you get from the seller to find a lease own, to own buyer? Get that one answered. Um, so if we are going to find somebody who we're not going to be in the deal, right? There's no cash flow in it. So we tell the seller, this is somebody that we're going to bring a tenant buyer. We're going to install them. They're going to give us a finder's fee for it. And you get to approve them. So we will let the seller know up front that we're not going to keep this deal for us, but we will bring you a tenant buyer that will get screened. And if you give it the blessing, you don't have any fees. They give us a finder's fee for putting you two together. And if they love it, they're good with that. If it is a property that we are going to buy, and then we are going to install a tenant buyer, we just buy it. But I will tell you, if it's say 30 days to close, I'm looking for my tenant buyer before we even close. Because ideally, what I would love to have is at closing, me sign the paperwork to buy it, and then my tenant buyer sign the paperwork for them to rent it and giving them that big option deposit. Right? Those are our favorite. But sometimes it doesn't happen that quick, and sometimes it happens way longer, depending on the condition, where it is, all the other factors into it. So we'd like to build in three months, knowing that how I set up three months of payments, but also, too, when I'm structuring my deals, depending on the situation, if I'm taking over somebody's mortgage and they're behind on payments, I know if their next payment is due in two weeks, guess who's going to make it, her and I. But if it's a free and clear property and there's no payment and we're going to do a seller finance deal, I will always request 90 days till first payment because I know I'm going to try to find 90 days till I might find the right tenant buyer. So I want to make sure I have that cushion in there. So tell them how you negotiate. And just because they have a mortgage doesn't mean they still won't agree to 90 days till first payment. But I want you to use your heads for a minute and realize the seller's telling you because you're listening with your two ears more than you're talking, right? And if the seller says, I can't afford this anymore, you got to realize in order to make this work well, I can't be like, well, you need to make the next three payments. Like, not going to look good, right? So figure that into your buying it. Um, but great question. Yeah. Awesome. Ryan says, do you give tenants credit from the one to two years of paying rent off the purchase price or no? And I'm going to say, what? Get it, Tiger. <laughs> I'm going to answer this one. Um, there's lots of ways to do this, but we do it with attorneys and the proper paperwork and we do not. We allow a non-refundable option deposit that goes towards the purchase price. And then we have the rent just as the rent as if they're paying rent anywhere. Anything above the rent will also count towards their non-refundable option deposit. And you just keep track of all of that through paperwork. But it can get really messy if you start trying to get the rent to the purchase price and all of that. So we make it very clear black and white with the attorneys. Anything to add? <laughs> Nicely done. It's not, right. I mean, you've done this a bunch of times, time. so you know your way around. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know if the, the gentleman, I think he's referring to a seller. How did the gentleman find you? Which oh, the seller uh, for probably the, one of the deals is they found us on social media. So we do a lot of Facebook marketing. Got mm -hmm. some really cool strategies that were, you know, sellers reach out to us. And however you're coming across leads, also you know we have a special script that we've designed in-house that we ask every seller doesn't matter the condition of the home 
if it's a fixer upper, if it's an ugly home or pretty home. We still ask them, are they open to terms? We're still gonna also find out what their cash offer would be too. We wanna ask every single buddy if they're open to terms. So we've designed an easy script. If you've not also checked out our uh, straight line approach, we have that out there too. But our straight line approach really simply breaks down. And this is from so much trial and error and being around so many other real estate gurus who have all these crazy questionnaires and scripts. And it's so confusing. Um, and it was for me. And I know it was for Jen when we started doing it. So this is why what we did is we simplified it quite a bit. And this was the key to our success. When we broke down the process, simplified it, asked a couple questions, they predominantly got a little deeper of a question, right? You know, the first one's like, hey, tell me about your house. Down the line is like, how much do you own your mortgage? But it, with our script, if I were to come, there it is, a little diagram. But we'll if I were to, <laughs> yeah, go to our website, drop that in the, in the uh, comments if you can, please. But if I ask the first question is, hey, Wendy, how much do you own your mortgage? You're going to be like, who is this guy, right? Like, get out of here. So we ask the questions. We're going to be asking a series of questions in order to get to that question, right? Um, so that's really, I think, the key to our success. And that's really been working well for us. Once we get through those questions, guys, and we have VAs that do it all through messaging. So we don't even talk on the phone with a seller till they've already gone through the script, answered all of the questions. And then we have our answers and then we're ready to go. And when we have, I saw the none of your business, you're right. People sell it to us all the time. And then we have a rebuttal for it. And once we hit them with a rebuttal, I would say probably nine out of 10 times they give us the answer. For that, almost every single one of our leads we have, and I would say probably 90% tell us how much they owe on the house, what they want for it, their monthly payments. They tell us all of it, guys but the keys and the success. And that's why we share that script with you guys because it really is super powerful. Um, it's consistent. So we'll, oh, yeah, that next question of, are you cold calling? Are you doing mailers? Um, John wants to really look into doing deals like this and they're out there and it's just using a method and sticking to it and getting really good at asking the questions. And that's why when Joe says it took us years to come up with this script, it really did because before I was like turning pages and I'm sure I was just sounding like all flustered on the phone talking to a seller. But if you just ask simple questions and pause or even text even simpler, then you're going to get your answers that you need to be able to help them out. And so just doing it, it is repetitive, but you know, finding the right systems in place or people to help you, um, you can really reach the amount of people that you're going to in order to get these deals done. Well, the reason why we both love Facebook so much, because especially if you're new, but even if you're a seasoned veteran, when you're talking on the phone with a, a seller, you're asking questions or trying to negotiate a real estate deal, especially if you're new. If you ever watch the movie Star Trek, where you feel like the stars are whizzing by you, like you're going so fast, like your brain almost doesn't almost need to know how to keep up to the conversation, right? So the reason why I love messaging and honestly, now, especially with a lot of folks, like talking on the phone's weird for some people, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of people now actually prefer to message. So we ask these questions and it gives us time to digest their answers without feeling like I need to make split fast decisions. So I have all of these answers to my questions and I can sit back and look at this deal and say, okay, good. I need to get on the phone with this seller. Let's book an appointment. And then we do. And I have all of the facts. And on our script, it even says if they're open to terms, yes or no. And if they're not open to terms, we have a script for that. 
if they are up in the terms, we have one for that. And the script's no script, it's just questions that we need the answer for to make an educated decision on how to formulate the best offer for their property, right? And how to make it a win for everybody. And that's really the trick. It's not a trick, it's the key to success. There really is no trick. I think we get in our own heads a lot. And um, once you overcome that, you realize it's just questions. They're people, they want to sell their house. It may not work and it may not. And taking that pressure off of yourselves really puts you in a great position to be able to actually help the people and trying to like make a deal happen. You know, I think sometimes we get so stressed out about that. Whereas really, can we help this person out? Yes or no. And if yes, let's go. And if not, follow back up. And it's really- Well, and Jen said it right too. Like we go for the no. Because if it is a good deal and it works for everybody, then great, we make the deal. But if it's not, like we go for the no, like, hey, like, you know, John, if this deal doesn't work for you, it's okay if you tell me no, I promise you, I won't keep calling you crying saying, please, please, please take me back. And I tell every one of the sellers that I'm going to buy a handful of houses this month. I love your house and I love the area. So I'd hope to make this deal work. But if it doesn't, I promise I won't call you crying and begging you to take me back. And I just want to make sure we're clear. If you tell me no, I'm cool with that. All right. And I tell them up front and I want them to know telling me no is okay. Cause if it doesn't work for you, I don't want to sit here. Like, did they not like me? Did they not like the deal? What was wrong? Like I rather them feel comfortable just telling me, Joe, get out of here. This doesn't work. Beat it. Or, Hey, I appreciate the offer. And we have a lot of good conversations where folks were, guess what? We're not the best fit, but geez, we get a couple hundred leads a week. Of course we can't buy 200 houses a week. So we're not going to be the best fit. And I'm kind of happy we aren't because I can't imagine trying to buy that many houses every week. They'd be mad. It would be nutty. Alrighty. So this question goes back to uh, taking over subject two or buying on a wrap. So the lender is allowing you to assume the loan without qualifying or resetting the interest rate. No, that is not how subject two or wrap mortgages work. We don't call the lender. We don't ask for permission. They don't pull our credit. Um, that's a whole other kind of topic. But if you buy with a wrap mortgage or subject to, you are taking over their debt. The loan will stay in their name, but the deed does get transferred to you or your LLC or to your land trust, however you structure that. The bank does not get called. They have what's called an acceleration clause where they could call the loan due. Can and will they? They can. Will they? Chance are not. You also have chance of getting hit by lightning, but anything could happen, right? So there's ways to prevent that from happening. And the success is really the details. Obviously, two of the biggest ones are making sure you're paying the payments on time every month, like on time. And make sure you have adequate and proper insurance and in how that's set up. If you have on-time payments and the proper insurance, banks really don't give a care and they really just want their money. And oftentimes- uh, Use a servicing, servicing company. We, you can, especially if you're going to be buying it subject to, you really need to. If you buy it with a wrap, it's not necessary. And that's just to help the person get a mortgage later on. Yeah, I was going to say too, they go right to the insurance company. So that's why it's really important to have someone that you work with and trust and they'll just ask for verification. Um, and that, you know, I'm never talking to the bank ever. Uh, the next one was, where'd it go? Sorry. All right, Adam is asking, say when you sell a house on a lease option and you leave them a 20% discount on the price for the tenant buyer for repair, so it's work for equity, and they never do what it takes to fix the property and qualify, but now values have increased from, let's say, 115 to 170, what would you negotiate the new price to be? I think you already told me. 
I think you said it. One to one seventy. Um, that's why I put the new number. And so we're in the situation all the time. This past summer, uh, obviously increased a lot of property values in the last few years, and we had a lot of our tenants who uh, put leases were up. Said we love you guys. Leases up. Didn't buy. No worries. Current rents are this. We'll still cut your break and give you a deal. And the new prices, your value of your house is 175 range. I'll cut you a deal at 165 if you want to help them out. If not, say the new value is 175. So I'm going to keep on renewing it until XYZ. So um, we do that if necessary. Because you're right, the market does change. But what happens if it goes down? That's up to you. You could visit that if you want to, or just leave it the same and say, I'll give you more time to get cashed out. And right now, honestly, you're not going to have a lot of people try to buy out their loans right now just because the interest rates are high. So the benefit of getting into a rental now is you're going to get into a property now, fix whatever's broken in your credit, give it time to get fixed while the rates are going to hopefully wait to go back down in the next few years. And then after the rates go back down and you fix your credit, what a better time to buy. And what happens if the houses don't appraise, right? Here's the next question I know you're going to ask me. Well, hopefully you've collected a large enough non-refundable option deposit that goes towards the purchase, they'll help. Number two, hopefully your tenant buyer was paying extra every month on top of their rent to get added to their non-refundable option deposit. So their nest egg grew every month for the last two, three, four years, five years. So if they gave you 20 grand down and paid $200 a month for over for the last five years, that's another $12,000. That's 32 grand down in five years. It goes towards a purchase. And no, you don't have to go up to showing up to closing with the money in your hand. You just show that they're paying it to you every month. You show the check. You show the statements. You're collecting it. That's why we do everything electronically. So get a big enough deposit, um, non-refundable option deposit. Collect over on your monthly um, rent. And uh, you could always go down, but you can't go back up. Nice. All right. So you did mention that we are buying our first properties in Florida here that we're going to be keeping. So Trace is asking, are we going to get flood insurance because it is so darn expensive? If they're in a flood zone where they need it, especially if they're on the water, this one's not, these aren't. And I don't believe any one of these are in flood zones because of where they're located. Because I checked that with their insurance because I'll look at what their current insurance is on them too. If they're in an area where they need it, I definitely would. Because know. what I've seen, and I'll be honest with you, I was just, because I live right, we live in the Tampa area, and I was out to breakfast last week, two weeks ago with my kids, and there's this couple sitting next to me, and the cutest little lady was just saying to herself, she's like, I don't understand why I have hurricane insurance, but the damage to her property was from flooding, and she didn't have flood insurance, and she says, I know and I could hear the guy talking to her. She's like, well, I know I didn't have that, but the flooding was caused by the hurricane. And I'm like, this poor little lady just had all this damage done to her property because she had hurricane insurance, but not flood insurance. So the hurricane caused the flood, but because it's a flood, they didn't cover her claim. So insurance companies don't like to pay heads up. And if you've ever been in an insurance claim before, car, house, I've been in all of them. Insurance companies love collecting your money, but they hate paying you on claims. I will promise you that's why there's so many lawyers working for them. So you need to make sure that you have ironclad insurance the best way you can, just in case 
crap ever hits the fan, you're best protected. And if it's worth paying a little bit more to make sure I can sleep good at night, it's worth it. So this is why I love buying with creative finance is because most of the time we're buying with much lower payments, much lower interest rates. And if I'm buying a free and clear property, I'm negotiating to make sure that and I tell the seller, like most importantly, I need to cash flow. So if something breaks, I'm never, I'm going to pay you no matter what. So I need to keep my payment as low as possible. And I'm going to be making sure I compensate for enough for the insurance policy to be in there. Especially here in Florida, where we had two hurricanes this year. Yeehaw, giddy up. Giddy up. All right. Trace is also saying that he's run into a couple sellers in Minnesota that offer a contract for deed, but don't want to transfer the deed. Have, have you come across this? Obviously it's better for us to have the property in our business name for taxes and other benefits. I should ask, how do you handle that objection of transferring the deed? I could cash flow on the property. So I don't care. I'd rather take the deed down. I'd rather have ownership, but there are some properties we have bought with a lease purchase what we call a sandwich lease purchase, where we bought it with a lease purchase, but our agreement says that we're responsible for maintenance repairs. We have a locked in price that we're buying it at. And that our agreement says that we could also release it and resell it to somebody else, even for a profit. So what did that cost us to do? That cost us no closing costs. So I love that. I, the minute the seller signs the agreement, I now control real estate with no money, no credit, no nothing, not even dime right? Just this piece of paper. And I control real estate within that minute. So now I could put in a tenant buyer who's going to give me a large non-refundable option deposit. I'm going to collect monthly rent every month. So then at that point, do I care if I own the title? Sure. I'd love to have control of the title, but if I have that capability and I'm making that money at the end of the night, I'm sure I'll be okay. The neat thing about that is you don't even need an insurance policy because it's not your property. You just control it with a piece of paper. It's actually like three pieces of paper. <laughs> I like those deals. I know. All right. Um, Especially real quick on areas. And I just want to say one last thing. There are some areas where the closing costs are so darn high. Transfer tax in like Pittsburgh is like 4% and Philly, it's like 5%. So you buy a, a $200,000 home, it's 10 grand just for you know transfer tax. And some of these fees just get to be absolutely insane. So if some of these closing costs get to be so high to do a deal, a strategy to help that out is to buy it with a lease purchase, right? So there's no closing costs. Then at that point, if I do install a tenant buyer where I do get a big non-refundable option deposit, I could still three months from now, four months from now, take it over sub two or with a rep mortgage and then use that money to cover the closing costs. So I could still do it with no money and own it. So. We've done that too. Sure have. And people keep asking, where are we getting all of these leads coming through? Are we finding them off of Zill? Oh boy. On the MLS? How are we getting hundreds of leads every single week? All right. So I'm going to give you guys a quick, we're going to do this again soon because I will tell you what, as the market is shifting quickly, it is like, I told my, our manager the other day, because I'm working in the office now full-time and I'm looking at our CRM. We have more leads in our CRM that we know to handle. I feel like I'm trying to swim across the Gulf of Mexico and people are just pouring water in my head as I'm in the water because that's what it feels like with leads right now. Because what's happening is there's so many situations where think about the market one year ago, six, seven, eight, nine months ago. If they didn't like talking to you, the investor on the phone, they're going to hang up the phone with you, call the local real estate agent, list it with them, 
it's going to get sold that weekend and they're going to probably get 50 offers for 50,000 over asking. And a seller, they're cocky. Boy, they could tell you they were the hottest thing around because at the time when the market's rates were really low, they were. Now all of a sudden, the lights in the club turn on and they ain't looking like they did. So with that being the case, this is what's happening now is these people are a lot more flexible. Their conversations have changed. Their attitudes have changed. You know what it's like if you know what I'm talking about. So at that point, um, I've seen a lot of the conversations from our CRM that I'm just doing follow-up with that we've had conversations with this year, earlier this year, houses that didn't sell that are now hundreds of thousands of dollars in price reductions. And I'm not just talking 100,000. I've seen some of them are three, $400,000 yeah, when the lights come on the club. <laughs> um, but either way, they are a lot more flexible now. And what's going to continue to happen is just that trend. So I really foresee having your blades sharpen on how to have these conversations, get to the script, ask the right questions, receive the information, and then make the offer. And come up with a legitimate reason why I'm making this offer is because, once again, for what you're asking for the price, at 7 8%, the numbers just don't make sense. The reason why I love seller finance is because if you bought your house a year ago, interest rates were then were probably 3 to 4%. And at 3 to 4%, it makes sense for me. So if you're a little flexible when you could get your equity, if you have any, I, want to, I could pay top dollar for your house, buy it as it is, close when you want. I'll cover all the closing costs and fees on both sides. And I'll take over your existing mortgage at that 4% interest rate you just got. Because that's how I could pay more for than anybody else can. And the reason why I can, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, is because when I'm looking at rents in the area, at that rate, I can cash flow. If I'm trying to do this at 9% or 8%, the numbers are negative. It doesn't work. And I, nobody's going to do that deal. So it is a great, great fit. So how are we finding these? We find them. We do a lot of social media marketing. Right now, it's never been easier to go on to Zillow and type in houses that are currently for sale and under keywords under your search, look for houses that say owner finance, seller finance. Those are two easy ways to find leads. If you want to turn it up another level, I'm going to give you a tip and trick that I've been using that I have more leads than I know to do with. So if any of you have PropStream, this is for you or one of these other, there's a lot of the different ones. You could do the same thing. We just use PropStream. Or if you don't team up with somebody who does, but the list to pull right now is anybody who I pull a County. So pull a couple counties, but pull a County. Although for anybody who's bought a house in the last two years, that's a person, not a company, but anybody who's bought a house in the last two years that took out a VA loan. And you're going to ask me why a VA loan? Because a VA loan, if I buy a $500,000 house, they'll finance the whole 100%. They'll finance the $500,000. They'll let you roll in the $5,000 in closing costs. So I buy a house that was listed at four fifty. dollars I spend fifty dollars over. Hell yeah, I want it, honey. What do you think? Oh, you love it? Let's take it. Fifty dollars over. They took our offer. We're lucky. We got the house. $500,000. We roll in closing costs. We owe five oh five. dollars that was in January. Now my wife, her job transferred her. We're going to Idaho. I go to listed right now and we owe 552. I'm sorry, 502, right? We've only paid it down a little bit. So now what happens when that house goes in the market at 550 and it doesn't sell, they drop it to 525 and it's still not selling. And at 525, they're gonna have to write a check to say goodbye to that house. And now they've already moved. 
these situations are crazy. So I have a realtor script that we have that is so easy. It's a handful of questions and you'll be shocked how many of these realtors, especially now, that they're like, yes, they will do that. Let's set up a call. Um, it's shocking. Now we will drop that realtor script for you guys very soon. Um, we're going to drop that on creativefinanceplaybook.com. I will send it to you. We're just, I just got to put it together, but it's one I've been using literally every like, single is it day. in your head and with our team? Because I haven't typed it up officially yet. <laughs> I have it because I've been using it like a madman and things working so well to where like, if you look at my phone, I have more text messages and, and phone calls from realtors. It's insane. So here's the one thing I'm going to give you the little asterisk next to this some things to think of when you're talking with a realtor, they're going to want to get paid. Everybody. Are they going to get paid the full 6% commission? No, but do they want to get paid? Do they deserve to get paid? Sure. I want to still take care of them. Will they get paid maybe 1% or one and a half percent? I don't know. Depends on how flexible they are. I will tell you the realtors who are movers and shakers who want to help their seller get this property sold and they're not going to put their commission and a way of making that happen, those are the ones you're gonna have some good luck with. I had a conversation with a realtor last week in a half million dollar home. It's been in the market for a hundred something days. People owe all of the money on it. This is the same exact situation I just told y'all. And she's like, well, are you gonna pay my full 6% commission? Because the last time I told somebody that I would take 3%, my broker got real mad at me. And I was like, let's see how this deal shakes down first. And then we'll talk about your commission after that, All right? So if the seller's like, hey, let's go ahead and rock, well, then that's when we'll have the conversation with the realtor, right? But then I've had other realtors say, hey, listen, like, I'm not worried about my commission. I will totally work with you guys. I just want to help sell, get this, you know, property sold for these folks, right? And, if, and they're open to terms. Their interest rate is at 3.75%. This is their payment. They've already moved. If you're able to do this, they're in. Let's get on a three-way call. I'm like, perfect. Who do you think I'm going to call first, right? That second one. They're out there everywhere right now, guys. And you're going to see a lot more of these. Next, what I would do, I would look for folks who have FHA loans because those folks only had to put 3.5% down. But I'm looking for people who bought a house in the last year to two years max because chances are if you bought a house in the last year to two, what did you do? If you got lucky enough to get the deal, you had to overpay for the house. Right. A lot of times folks didn't put much down. So VA loans, they could finance a hundred percent FHA. They could go as low as three and a half percent down. Doesn't mean they did, but it means they can. And you will find a lot of those who just did. I do a lot of those deals guys who just that situation happened. We are doing a lot of those deals right now. So when you're asking how we're finding these leads, this is, Another way, we're having so much luck with folks who aren't having their house sold on the market. So go on Redfin, because Zillow sucks when it comes to this. But Redfin in this one arena does very well. Look for houses that are for sale that are on the market over 90 days. Zillow doesn't let you do that. So any properties that have been on the market for over 90 days. And I'd reach out to that realtor too and just say, hey, listen, would your seller be open to terms if I pay your commission and cover all the closing costs? And 
you know, but I'll come up with a script so you'll have a lot better questions that ease into it. But. And until the script comes out, I'm going to challenge all of you to, I heard um, someone say this before, is never eat alone. So are you able to squeeze in a lunch once or twice a week with maybe some realtors if you're investing in your local area? Um, or maybe try to do a phone call, but really, you know, sit with them and be able to explain how you'll be able to help them. I just got back from a women's retreat where there were several realtors and their mind was blown when we started talking about creative financing. And one lady out of Jacksonville said that there's like 7,000 houses just sitting on the market right now, like not selling. And so she was like, oh my gosh, like this is a win-win for everybody. So I think if you can wrap your head around this and then again, just network with realtors who have the customers who can't sell their houses, you know, you can really make some magic happen here. So I urge you to take a little time and try to connect with some folks that you um, maybe know or want to get to know and, and write your lunch off, right? And get to know somebody as well. Absolutely. And it's those connections, it's the relationships that are going to really set you apart right now. So if you could get in front of, and I had a conversation with a local realtor, she's like, I want to take you guys to lunch, you and your wife, and have you sit down with all of our realtors to explain to them what you just explained to me because they're all having these sellers in their office right now where guess what? Those houses aren't selling now. Right. And these agents are looking for what's plan B because plan A has been working so well for the last two years, three years, four years that man, we never needed plan B. So now they're all thinking to themselves, what's plan B guys. And if you could all be the plan B, here you go. And really position yourself into a really good spot and able to help realtors, sellers, yourself, other buyers, it's a whole list of people you're going to help. And if you think about how many people get affected on one real estate transaction between not just you, but you've got sellers, you've got buyers, you've got attorneys, people, the title companies, like if you look at the web of everybody involved, like it's a lot of people who, you know, make a little something on there, even from the county processing stuff, there's a lot involved. So it's, it's pretty cool to be a part of just one deal. Um, so hopefully I didn't long win that one too much. Well, now you got everybody eager for the realtor script. So now I got to get that out of your brain and onto a paper. <laughs> Give me, I'll have that down in no time. All righty. Uh, where was the one? Somebody wanted to know, Ryan, um, what does our contract look like when we're doing a wrap on houses with an existing mortgage? Does it allow the first seller to be able to go to a lender and get another mortgage for their new house? So that is a great question. Uh, yes, that's why we write it on a wrap. Our agreement that we just use a standard purchase and sale agreement just says that we're buying it on a wrap. But when the deal goes to closing, the title company or the attorney who writes the deal and closes it, they're going to be the ones that write the actual note going between us and the seller. And what that note is providing is showing that we are making that payment. So you are correct. Once it's time for them to get another mortgage down the road, they show the HUD statement, they show that note, and they provide that to the new lender if they're questioning why this debt is still on their credit. Once they explain them the situation, show them that those forms, it is not an issue. Great question. Yeah. And Adam was asking, are you finding these sub two deals are easier to find because interest rates are going up and prices are going down and buyers can't afford their payments? It 100%. And this is where I feel like if you've been working hard the last year, two, three years, learning how to do this. I learned this in 2016. So as the market kept on going up, I kept on saying, it was like, imagine you having a big boulder and you're pushing it up a mountain. Boy, it was hard. To make these sub two deals last couple of years, 
it's been hard. You're pushing a boulder up a mountain. But when that market started to shift and it's no longer a seller's market, it's starting to turn into a buyer's market. And there's all of these deals that are sitting on the market a lot longer, high interest rates, houses are no longer selling for over asking. Usually they're selling for under asking right now, right? So with that being the case, I feel like the boulder now has got over the plateau and now it's much easier to have gravity on your side to help push that boulder down the hill to keep that thing moving. So now what do I see? As these interest rates continue to, to rise, more houses hit the market. It's just going to become easier and easier to do this. So unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be in a jam and fortunate for us, we're going to be the ones that can help them the most. These low cash offers are not going to work. A lot of the wholesalers who are doing these low cash offers, fix and flip people, they're the ones that are going to take a little bit of a, of a, a beating coming up soon. But great question. Sorry, texting with our insurance lady. <laughs> I saw you doing something. Aye, aye, aye. Um, all right. Speaking of insurance. Yeah. On a VA loan, I had a guy tell me he can't do terms due to taxes. He was going to, sorry, he was going to buy another property. Can't have two properties. I didn't know a lot about terms at the time. When will he take it with terms? We pay the, when we take it with terms, we pay the taxes. So if it's his primary residence, there's no taxes there's property taxes but yeah we pay the property taxes um there's no income tax unless he sold it for way more than he bought it for um the trick is with a va loan part of our script is we ask the realtor do they need to sell this house in order to buy their next house that's a very 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 important question to know the answer to because if the realtor says no they have to sell this house in order to buy their next house because the VA gives them only so much credit. You can buy up to $500,000 with no money down. So if you buy a house for five fifty, dollars you got to come up with that difference, right? So what happens is if they've borrowed $500,000 and they want to go buy another house, the second one might not qualify. But now what if your VA limit was a million dollars? and your balance on your first house was only $300,000 and your next house was $500,000, then yes, you can buy another house using your VA benefit as long as you're under that credit. So sometimes they need to sell their current house in order to buy their next one in order to get their VA benefit. However, we just had a recent situation where that wasn't the case. The gentleman had a VA loan, couldn't sell it, reached out to us, we bought it sub two, right here in Winter Haven, Florida. He wanted to use the VA credit for his next mortgage, but didn't have enough room on it. So he had to come up with 40 grand to buy his next house because he went conventional and did it because he was moving. Regardless if we were buying his other house or not, he was moving. So um, in that situation, he would have loved to use more VA credit, but it was not an option for him. So he needed some cash, but he had the cash. So. Yeah, he said he couldn't have property taxes on two properties. That's why he couldn't do terms. Oh, yeah, you can. And you don't have to worry about the property taxes, sir. I bought the house, so I'd be the one paying the property taxes, not you. You don't have the property taxes in the house that you own. This would be my house. Mm -hmm. um, and did you cover so the When they ask that kind of question, I just say you wouldn't. I'd be paying the taxes, they'd be in my name. You would be relieved of that duty. 
and then I just smile and be quiet. Sorry, what was the next question? Oh, goodness. Um, did you answer the one about DTI implications when it comes to those who have a VA or FHA trying to get into their next home? Yeah, that's why we buy in a wrap. So it shows our incoming payment is washing out that outgoing payment. And we have a note in place showing that. And then we have the closing docs. So that's why we could do it that. And if you buy it sub two, you just need to have it done through a service company. There are certain seasoning periods, sometimes the new lender, and it's all depending on the new lender. There's none of them are the same. You know, there's big national lenders, there's small banks, there's credit unions. Some of these lenders could do what's called in portfolio. So there's a lot of different things. You know, if they're going to go through quick and loans, they're going to be a little bit more standard than a small credit union who could be a little bit more flexible. So every lender will be a little different as far as the new loan that they're trying to get through. Um, but once you show those closing docs and we've had a, a bunch of these happen and that note, it's never an issue. Not gonna work. <laughs> so if not, you just send them up with a mortgage person who can't handle it. <laughs> All right. Um, I have a couple more here. In layman's terms, structuring a creative deal is basically the spread entry fee cash on cash formula. I'm sorry, can you repeat that one more time? Yeah, someone, um, I think it was Javier is asking, structuring a creative deal is basically the spread entry fee cash on cash formula. So it's a series of things because I'm also gonna review the price of the house. Did I get free equity, right? Did I get it for 300,000? It's worth 350 or 380. Um, I keep that into consideration. I keep into consideration the length of term my seller gave me right? If I've got a 30-year term, loving those. They want me to cash them out in four years, hate it. Don't like them. Um, but I keep that into consideration. But my biggest mostly thing I'm going to look at is what's my cost of entry, most important. And then what's my, my monthly cash flow? Those are going to be the basis of it, right? And if I have a low entry fee on a real estate deal that cash flows, I'm buying those, especially with long terms, guys. Those are the ones I'm keeping. Because for me, I'm not really as, I don't care about the price if I got 30 years. I don't care. I honestly don't care. You give me 30 years, it's not a worry to me. If I could cash flow and I have a low cost of entry into the deal, boy, I am taking those deals left and right, especially in areas that I like slash love, keeping those things, keeping as many as I can. I'm going to be just scooping them up. All right. We talk a lot about rent to own, but Paul is reminding us that if you invest in Texas, how do you approach rent to own strategies? As I thought this strategy is no longer able to be done in Texas. Paul, you are so correct for our Texas friends. So there you can do a lease purchase for up to six months. Wonk, wonk. Not good, right? So in Texas, we use Scott Horn, who is one of the best attorneys in all of Texas. He's done like I think it's almost like 10,000 of these transactions and him and his fund is one of the largest single family homes in the state of Texas. So not only is he an attorney, he teaches the subject, he is also heavily invested in there. And so what they do in the state of Texas is they buy on a sub two or a wrap and then they turn around and resell it on a sub two or they sell it on a wrap. So what does that mean? I buy a house for $300,000. The seller's payment was at 4%. Their payment was 800 bucks a month. I'm going to turn around and sell that house at 375 
I'm going to collect $20,000, $30,000 down. I'm going to sell that deal at 8 9%. So I'm going to get a big deposit going towards the deal, right? I'm going to get monthly cash flow, and I'm going to make money on the interest rate too. Because if you are getting it at 4.5% and you're charging 8.5%, you're holding four points of interest on 350000 because they're down payment. 350,000 over 30 years, guys. That's a lot of interest you're making on top of the spread of the house. So the spread of the house is great, but your real money that you're making on that deal is your interest. And you get the monthly cash flow too. So in Texas, for our Texas friends, you buy sub two or on a wrap and you sell it on a wrap. Or if you have somebody who is super amazing and you can get them qualified in under six months, you can do it on a lease purchase. I have one right now we're working on in Texas that is in Lake Livingston, 70 miles north of Houston. Gentleman has a beautiful 1,500 square foot, three bedroom house that's built two years ago. It's two blocks from the water. He's already moved. He said, I'm going to just board the house up, close it up and come back in five years. If you guys don't buy it sub two, he's like, if you give me 20 grand down, I'll wait on the rest of the equity. I don't care about that. As long as you guys will take over my payments, it's something like, I don't know, I think it's like 1300 a month. Not too bad. So beautiful house, beautiful neighborhood, turnkey house, guys, two-year-old house. So this happens in Texas. It happens everywhere. Sure. And I'll tell you, people are weird. You wouldn't believe somebody who buys a brand new house, beautiful house, and all of a sudden, like, you know what? I'm, I'm just leaving. I just can't imagine buying a new house that's like gorgeous. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to board up and leave and just like come back in five years. Like, not weird, but just here's some stuff. Right? You, you buy a house, you think you're going to live there, but it's not always the case. I guess people aren't weird. They just do weird things. How about They're that? They're interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> life happens. Yes, uh, life does happen. <laughs> All right, last, um, yeah, okay, we'll answer this one question and we'll get into our mentoring, et cetera. So what happens if we can't find a tenant to rent out a place? So I'm assuming this is after we've taken it over terms. So what I always try to do is make sure that we're looking to find houses where people want to live, right? If I am, and I will tell you what, guys, we have had some properties that we've owned that we were offering rent to own that took us a long ass time i'll yes. be dead with you in the middle of like nowhere but guess what we did place somebody in there and even though we had to make six months of payments payments were like four or five hundred bucks a month wasn't much because of a very remote property once we collected that non-refundable option deposit we are profitable so it did take us a while so here's the key if the property is remote, make sure you've got no payments for 90 days, 120 days, or you've got a nest egg knowing that you've got three, four months of payments set aside to give yourself enough time to find the tenant buyer. If you're in an area where you're in a, you know, within an hour of a major metropolitan city, guys, you should not have any problem because you got to remember, it's like 17% of the population could qualify for a mortgage. So 83% of the population cannot. So our audience are those folks. Now, out of those folks, not all of them are going to have enough money down. Most of them don't, but there are a lot of them that do. You'd be surprised how many millionaires don't qualify for a mortgage. Maybe they're self-employed. 
maybe they're 800 credit score, but being self-employed makes things harder to get qualified for mortgage. It's not just people with bad credit. It's not just terrible, you know, run down houses. You could find beautiful houses and beautiful neighborhoods. And to be quite honest with you guys, those are the ones I like best. I like the turnkey house. So what are we offering? Not only are we offering a home to somebody, not just a rental, and we're giving somebody an opportunity to be in their future home and rent it until they're able to buy it. And when you look into an area, wherever you live, and you pull up Zillow, you look how many people are offering that opportunity on a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood, you're going to be one of one. You're going to be the only, there's going to be no other competition in town besides just you. And if you market the property correctly, you want to talk to my disco manager, I can have Courtney on here soon. Maybe we should have Courtney on here. She's our dispo manager. I will tell you though, we are taking on clients now because of our refined rent at home process and how we're finding tenant buyers. We're having a lot of investors reach out to us say, hey, I bought this house. I was thinking of putting in a tenant in there or, or I put it on the market and it's not selling. I'm going to have to now turn this into a rental, but I got some money in the deal. Can you help me find a rent at home buyer? We do that as a service, not for other people. Because I will tell you, if you market the property correctly, like what we do, you will probably get a couple hundred people reach out to you per day asking, is this property available? And you're going to dread it. Because when you 300 people a day reaching out to you, asking if this property is available, you're not going to get back to every single one of them. And they're all like, you didn't get back to me in time, right? And most of them and don't have the money. And they yell at us on our Facebook page. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> And like, like, this must be a scam. Hi, we're not a robot. We can read your comment. And now that you're so rude, <laughs> be right back to Courtney's you. Courtney's like, I had 320 people reach out to me yesterday. I'm so sorry I didn't get back to you. <laughs> I also had to like eat lunch. <laughs> yeah. So if you market the property correctly, especially in a, in a decently populated area, guys, you're going to have more people reach out to you for this opportunity than you know how to handle. And what does that look like? We've already done a class on it, but we would you know, definitely do it again, kind of breaks in the details. If you go into depth, how to really market it correctly, but it doesn't cost hardly anything to do it. Um, but you will have more people harass you than you can handle. Uh, that is for sure. Uh, cool, any other questions? Well, a couple of questions came up about our mentoring and our coaching. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that for a minute real quick. Yeah, go for it. All right. So I know a lot of you are asking about private mentoring. You've seen that we did one-on-one, two-on-one mentoring for the last couple of year and a half or so, and we love it, but we also feel like we're not able to serve as many people. So we are pausing private coaching at the moment while we are creating something really exciting. And you can go sign up on our website to be on the wait list um, for the pre-launch, which will be the end of the year, but it's going to be a six-week coaching module. So um, a course essentially. So what you'll get is a mix of recorded videos like this, but um, kind of presentation style with some really great PDFs. And then you'll get us live. I think we're trying to figure that out. I think it's going to be like three times. So you get three different check-ins where you could submit questions and then have this back and forth, but more of, you know, whoever signed up um, for that class and it'll be a six week session. And then from there, if you kind of learn the basics of the creative financing and who we are and what we're about, and you wanna take it that step further in your business, um, we're gonna open back up for private coaching. So we're trying to create like a more systemized funnel. Um, We've got into our office, we wanna set up that and hire some people in town here as well. So 
a lot going on, but we still want to be able to serve because we see the need and we're so excited to be able to come here every week. So this isn't going away. You've got your free classes every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we also have master classes in our library. So if you still are just wanting some more from us, go check those out. Black Friday 22 is the code. You can get everything half off right now. I haven't dropped that official. So if you are here, you're a VIP. So go grab a class or two and learn a little bit. Some even have the scripts in there, um, read through each one of them. Uh, we really broke it down. We've got seven up there, plus a social media marketing ebook, which we give away some of our secret tips on how we are so successful. And to get into that too, and of course, we're really excited to launch that too, because we're going to really dive in deep because you, you can learn a lot on YouTube. You really, really can, but the success is in the details and you can see the success, not just from us, but from our students. And if you guys have a chance to chat with any one of our students before, you realize that these people are doing amazing things and really what it is is the success is in the details and what i always say is what i always love is when you are going to mentor with anybody and we've had a lot of amazing coaches the ones who are the best coaches are the ones who are currently doing deals currently doing the business currently have on calls with sellers buyers working in the business right and so that's the one thing that I will say is life isn't perfect. We're not perfect, but I will say that we are in this every single day. We're passionate. I love what we do. I wake up every single day and it's fun. Like I get to go to the office now and do this. So two and a half, three years ago, guys, I was working for somebody else eating lunch when they told me I could have lunch, you know, coming in on my day off because they needed me that day, you know, and I was being that corporate person. Because why? I had a family that I needed to provide for. So I did my very, very best working for somebody else. But I will tell you is once you understand how real estate can change your life, because it did for me, and if you implement some actions daily, doesn't have to be where you are moving mountains, but small amounts of action just taken daily will be surprising how fast it adds up. But I will say right now, and what I want to do which would be fun is take a little snippet of all of these other real estate investors who now are building a creative finance, creative finance, like even the wholesale guys, everybody's talking about it right now. Why? Because this makes the most sense right now, right? And there's always different trends. If you were a fix and flip person a year ago, that was great because you could have bought a house, you could have done it in four months and then went over two more months because it took you longer to do the job. And guess what? The house went up in value still. So you didn't lose if the job took you longer. You actually probably made more money. But in a situation, the way the market's turning right now in a downward trend, this is where you need to be. You really need to be that. And I don't want to label myself as one thing because we are real estate investors, but we have been studying working creative finance since 2016. And we've been implementing these deals since then. And I will tell you what, it has changed to why we could walk away from our daily jobs, Jen being a teacher, me being a finance director, making six figures a year, and I can walk away from our job. And the reason why is I don't need a W-2 to buy all of the real estate I want. I don't need to go to a bank asking for permission or approvals. I don't have the bank tell me that they're going to cut me off one day. We could scale our real estate business without permission from banks. We just need to find sellers or in a situation where it's a good fit for us and a good fit for them. And in those situations, guys, you could buy all of the real estate you want. So the point of today to wrap it all up, because I'm sure you all have to go and we got some stuff we got to do too. I got a list of closing calls I have to do, but how am I going to buy real estate and scale a million dollar business? This is the formula that we love. Buying credit, 
or buying these houses without using banks, without using your credit, very little to no cash down, cash flowing properties that you have for long terms. Actually, a strategy that we love the best. I love the rent to own. Once again, there's no maintenance, there's no repairs, there's no management. We get a big non-refundable option deposits, that big check up front like you're a wholesaler. You make monthly rent every single month like you're like you're a landlord. And then if they do buy you out, you get that big check at the end like you're a flipper, but you don't pay a 6% commission. You don't pay your short-term capital gains tax because you own the property for more than a year. It's a whole other course, but we'll go there later on. But this is the strategy that we love the most. So um, did I get the last question probably? Yeah, I think we're we're good. Everyone's just saying thank you so much. So we thank you for coming to ask questions. And again, this will be going up on YouTube. So if you need to hear it again, because I can't tell you how many times I had to hear all of this over and over again. Um, we'd play it in the car. We'd play it in the office. Yeah. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for coming out. Um, we love coming live every Tuesday because Jen and I love giving back. That's why we don't charge. We just love being here and sharing what we're currently doing, what's currently working in our business. Um, and you know, you don't need to spend a lot of money to learn how to do this. You can learn this for free. You really, really can. It's the in-depth stuff if you want, you want to take it to another level. That's what that's there for. But not, this is why we want to be here every single Tuesday with you guys to share. So next Tuesday, same time, same place, we'll have the new topic coming up. If there's a topic that you want to know, or you want to see or hear about, shoot us a message and we'll make sure we throw this on the our hit list. Um, if not, thank you guys so much for coming and uh, we'll see you all next Tuesday. Week. See you guys. Thanks for coming. Bye.